You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let's pray. I need to calm a little bit. Lord, thank you for this day, for your mercies and your grace. Um, They're renewed each morning um, uh, by your grace. Now, take this time and make it yours uh, uh, and take these these words and our uh, our time together um, and fill it with your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, I would imagine you all probably done this, some introductions each week, um, but I'm Gil Tracky. It's good to see everybody. Um, I know about half the people in the room, some others I don't. Uh, would love to have just a couple of minutes, if that's okay, um, just to kind of get a chance to to uh, to know you a little bit, just kind of first names, first last names, how you how you found yourself. Uh, in this room this morning, um, whatever else you want to say, and and then we'll kind of this is very very informal. Um, want to gauge use text about baptism. Um, uh, two ways I think to go with baptism. I'm going to try to go this way because you can go the complicated way, unpacking a lot of of, uh, of history. Um, next week I think Stephen Green's going to be talking about the Lord's Supper, um, communion. And between those two things, this is a real blight on the church. More Christians have killed other Christians about those two things over our history than, than over anything else. And I, this may not be true, but it's, it's at least illustrative of a point. It may even be that more Christians have killed Christians than non-Christians have martyred Christians over, over the sacraments of the church. And it's just, it's just not good. So we could go with what, how complicated baptism is when it gets down to the nuance of things um, and how Baptists or Episcopalians or Methodists or Presbyterians or Free or, or who, the, the Orthodox or Roman Catholic, what they think you know, the differences are, or we can go the more simple way, I hope, to do this in our short time together and just say, here's what the Word says. Here's the images of baptism. Um, they're primarily two. Um, baptism cleanses us from sin, washed in the blood of Jesus, um, uh, uh, reminiscent of Revelation 7, for instance, um, where the saints of God are gathered around the throne uh, in the glimpse of what the heavenly, uh, the new heavens, the new earth will look like. And the, the, the visceral paradox of, and their robes were washed white in the blood of the Lamb. And that's a baptism reference. Um, uh, uh, so there's the cleansing part, and then there's the dying part, that the, uh, the being forced under water, um, we call that immersion in baptism, but most of the time, other people would recognize that as drowning, and that's the image um, of being brought to the end of ourselves um, so that we may be raised with Christ, and so we'll look at that as well. Um, so we're going to hopefully go this way and not this way, but if we have time or even after the time, if you have questions, I'm, of course, happy to answer those best I can or, or Fontaine or anybody else um, about the, uh, the history of baptism as it goes through the church. But we're going to try to hope, go a little bit more and just let the Word do the work as we think about the, uh, the images of being cleansed from our sin and being brought to, to, to the end of ourselves and to life in Christ. Um, so with that, my name is Gil Cracky. I'm on the staff here at the Advent. Um, title is the Director of Ministries and Programs. It's been my privilege to be here for 28 years, I think, which is very, very... Every time I say that out loud, I'm like, mm, I, that's, you know, I feel like I'm the dust that's somewhere in this room, probably. Um, 
Uh, I came here in 1993 uh, out of undergraduate um, uh, to be the, the youth minister at the Advent. I've morphed into several different roles. And just a privilege, just a great privilege to be able to do what I get to do. Um, so glad you all are here. I love teaching them, having a chance to, to do this whenever I can. I'm so grateful to Fontaine. Welcome. Uh, take a few minutes to think about baptism. Um, baptism is a sign which points to something else. It's probably a good first sentence. Like there's a coming in here late, there's a foam core sign like a, a yard sign out there. It says inquirer's class. You don't go to the sign that says inquirer's class and say, oh good, we're here. We found the inquirer's class. You go to what the sign is pointing to, right? You go to the place that it's pointing. Um, so we can turn to Acts 8 if you have the Bibles around us. Um, not presuming anything, um, the Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament. Um, about three quarters of the Bible is the old, and the last quarter is the new. So if you take your finger and just kind of look on the spine and go about a quarter of the way through, you'll hit, maybe even further than that, the New Testament, which starts with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after that comes Acts, written by the same person who wrote Luke, the, uh, the evangelist Luke. And so we'll look at his Acts of the Apostles, as they're called, which is like the history of the Apostles, the 11 disciples, um, plus Matthias, who then also was added on uh, uh, as they started the church. Um, and so Acts 8 in the Bibles that we have starts on page 784. I think all of you are already there, so I'm sitting here talking. Um, can somebody read 26 through 39? And we're thinking about this. Yes, Jacob, thank you. Um, okay, thanks. And one thing to listen for when you're reading. Baptism is a sign that points to something else. The something else is going to be the Lord's work in you. Um, being faithed, being repented, having faith, repenting, whichever way you want to put it in the active or the passive voice. The Lord's work in you as Philip, one of the apostles, is going to do with, with the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, we can get into all that, or we can just kind of stay kind of in the simple way. Uh, somebody who hadn't heard, and the Lord said, Today is the day. Today is your day where I'm going to say, You know me. And your eyes are going to be opened to this Ethiopian eunuch. And he's reading from Isaiah 53, which is part of the Old Testament. Uh, and Philip, whom the Holy Spirit had said, I want you to get up and go that way. And he said, Okay. And he listened. And he saw the Ethiopian eunuch from afar, and the Holy Spirit told Philip, go up to him. And so he goes up to him, and the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, and Philip goes, what are you reading? And he reads out loud this, this passage from Isaiah 53, and Philip asks a great question. Do you know what you're reading? He's like, how can I? And then Philip uh, opened his mouth. I think that's a great little part of what you're about to hear. And it's if Philip opened his mouth, and the Lord put the words in his mouth. And then he, 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 he faithed the Ethiopian eunuch. He heard now for the first time. And his ears were open, his eyes were opened, and he once was, but now he's something else. He once was without faith, now he has it. He once was dead, now he's alive. He once was in the dark, now he's in the light. And the Ethiopian eunuch, because of the word of God, had a conversion. He was brought from one into another. And then they're driving along, and he said, look, there's some water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And he says, nothing at all. 
And so they go and they're baptized. What's baptism? It's a sign, like the inquirer's class, this way. Here's the class. There's the sign. Here's the faith that the Ethiopian youth now has. And the baptism will be a sign that points towards it. And that's what Jacob is about to read for us. And just listen to the simplicity of that story. It can be as complicated, and, and I'm not, not belittling that. There's a lot to think about there. But for today, just the simplicity of it points to something else, something that's already been done for me by God. Baptism is a sign of my regeneration, my belief, my commitment, my membership in the body. I belong to Christ's body. I belong to his church. Baptism is the sign that points towards it. So Jacob, would you read this for us? So lots of details. I'm going to stop myself from from chasing some really interesting points that scripture brings up. But there's an appointment, something that God wanted to do. He said, today is the day. This day, the Ethiopian eunuch shall know me. Um, This day you shall see me in paradise. This is the day which the Lord has made. the this dayness. Uh, it was a divine appointment. And Philip said, You know, here I am, Lord. Where shall I go? And he said, I want you to go out on the road. And he sees the chariot and he calls him to the chariot. He goes up to the, uh, uh, to the eunuch who's reading. How will I know what I'm reading unless somebody guides? And he opened his mouth. And then the Lord put words in Philip's mouth. And he told the eunuch the good news about Jesus. And he believed. His ears were opened and he believed. What's stopping me from being baptized? As the sign which points towards this day which the Lord has given me, towards this gift, this faith which the Lord has given me. Uh, And Philip says, absolutely nothing at all. (laughs) And he went and he was baptized. And that day uh, he believed. To the baptism sign which points to his belief. Comments or questions? It's going to be a quick, you know, we're going to move through three, three scriptures. That's the first one, that baptism is a pointing. It points to something else. Um, it's not the thing in and of itself. Uh, it's, the, it's a sign which points to the thing. What's the thing? Belief. Yeah, Jacob. Um, so I don't want to jump too much into comparative theology like you alluded to, but yep. you do have an article of religion, uh, the Advent is fond of, that says, the sacraments are not merely a sign and a seal. Well, true, but Article 27 on baptism. Um, baptism is not only a sign of regeneration and profession, but also a sign of initiation into the body. And the emphasis is very much on sign. Where, again, going here, love to talk all about this. Um, baptism is not in and of itself salvific, big fancy word, which is the root salvation, saving. Baptism doesn't save a child or an adult, um, a child that comes out. Um, and a lot of us have this in our history, and so it sometimes brings out emotion. But say a miscarriage or a stillborn or a child that lived a day and wasn't baptized. And you ask the good question, what about that baby? And the Lord, you know, his infinite mercies and grace, um, even as he describes baptism, God of infinite mercy and grace. In fact, I had the 1662 prayer. Um, Almighty and everlasting God, who of thy great mercy did save Noah and his family in the ark. Um, and he talks about, for thine infinite mercies, will thou also mercifully look upon us. Um, and so mercy, 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 mercy. The mercy of God exists outside of his sacraments. 
um, the sacraments or the signs, an outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual graces, the Holy Spirit, working his work in us. And so to go here just a little bit, the sacraments, baptism and communion, which Stephen will talk about last week, the, the sacraments have their efficacy, have their power, because of the living and active word of God. Ordinary means of grace, bread, wine, water, and words. Then have the Holy Spirit, the word of God, activated, as it were, given power, imbued with power by the Holy Spirit. Make simple things like bread and wine and water, something extraordinary, signs which point to the Holy Spirit's work. So might I say then that we do not limit the sacraments, but God is also not limited to the sacraments. Sure. And there's lots of maneuver, there's lots of room there. Um, in high church, low church, all that sort of thing. Um, let's hold that, because you've got a lot of good things going there, I know. Um, uh, for the sake of coming through, two other simple, hopefully trying to stay in the simple stories, which then have their effect. A story of cleansing, and then a story of death. Um, not really a story so much as, as part of Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, but let's turn to Second Kings. Second Kings chapter, let me get that right, 5. So again, that's in the Old Testament. There's the Pentateuch. Um, let me tell you what page it's on. And I'll tell you where to kind of look for that. Second Kings 5. This is like the sword games. There you go. Rita wins. She gets a quarter. Um, uh, what page is it? Um, 267. Um, the Old Testament, you know, it's, it's, it's got the first five letters, the letters of Moses, were sometimes called the Pentateuch, Pente, five, um, the Torah, and then there's the history books. Um, Second Kings is a part of that. It's a history, first and second kings, the history of the kings of Israel, and it goes into prophets, and the wisdom, and then the prophets, and all that. And so there's, there's order to the way the Bible is arranged. Um, you can kind of learn that a little bit and help you maneuver some. Um, but let's read Second Kings. 5, 1 through 14. Um, uh, here's what's going to happen. There's sort of, there's, there's two kings, king of Assyria, I think it is, um, Syria, and the king of Israel. And then there's players one level below the kings. There's Naaman, who is below the king of Syria. He's one of his right-hand men, um, a very trusted confidant in the king's court. And then there's Elisha one of the, uh, the prophets, uh, one of the great prophets, Elijah and Elisha. Uh, and Naaman, although he's a powerful and, 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 uh, and respected man, he has leprosy. That's not a good thing. Now, it wasn't a good thing then. The skin disease, something that was incurable, uh, it made him unclean, made him an outcast, a pariah, uh, and with all of his power, he couldn't do anything about it. Um, a little girl... That's all. Gosh, I want to pursue that so much. Um, a little girl, a nobody in history said, I know a man who could do something about that. Um, and she told her mistress, who told her husband, who told somebody else, who told the king. Uh, and the king then sent Naaman with papers and gold uh, to the king of Israel and said, give this man passage. He has my blessing. He, you've got somebody in your kingdom who can heal him. Elisha um, goes to the king of Israel. He pulls out his hair. Oh, you know, I'm going to fail. I'm just a man. How am I going to do this? Lack of faith. Uh, and now the, 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 king, of, the king of Syria, a uh, big, powerful kingdom, 
I'm going to incite his anger. And he was worried. Don't worry. You know, we have the prophet Elisha. Let's talk to him. So they send prophet, him to the prophet Elisha. Goes to the front of his house, this big, powerful man in, uh, in, in the king of, in, in the Syrian empire. Goes to the, Elisha's, uh, the prophet Elisha's house. Elisha doesn't even come out. He just says, oh, somebody comes to him and says, Elisha, somebody needs a healing. He's like, tell him to go wash in the Jordan River seven times, and that'll do it. Guy's enraged, absolutely livid. Um, the Jordan, because we think of the Jordan as this great, it's, it's, you know, powerful, beautiful body of water, either, you know, fly fishing beauty or great and powerful like the Mississippi or the Nile. It is like Shades Creek. I mean, it is like, okay, it rained, there's some water in there. Um, it's about that big. Uh, it's, it's just this trickle, and it's dirty, and it's just nothing. Uh, and he says, you want me to, you know, there are beautiful rivers back where I come from. You want me to wash there? And he does, and he's cured. It's just that simple. Go do what the Lord says. Um, wash seven times. Uh, be cleansed of your infirmity. Um, and that's an image of baptism. That's where this comes. So let's read it. I told you what we're going to hear. Now we can read it and hear it as the word of God. So I'm going to read for us the first 12 verses of 2 Kings, first 14 verses, 1 through 14 of 2 Kings 5. So just taking this, I'm going to move quickly. Um, the simplicity of wash and be made clean, um, among many other places, especially Paul. Thinking of Ephesians 5, when he speaks of Christ and his bride, the church, which is us. Uh, uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, who by the washing of water with the word. So there again, the sacrament is a sacrament. When the word attaches itself to something simple, uh, uh, thereby cleansing her of her sin, sanctifying her, setting her apart, and making her Blameless, beautiful, his. Um, there's lots to be said about that. But that image of the simplicity of cleansing, the sacrament, that the baptism is a sign that points to something else, and it cleansing, the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit, making us presentable, acceptable. Um, when God looks at us and he sees us cleaned by Christ in his word, he doesn't see our shame he doesn't see our past. He doesn't see our sins. He doesn't see all the, the, uh, the baggage that I'm bringing forward. Whatever it is, whatever it is, because um, we're all carrying that around. Um, he watches that, and it makes it pure and blameless and clean, as, uh, even as, as it says there, like the flesh of a little child. He was clean. And I put on the handout, um, one of my favorite hymns, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. It gets to that a little bit. Also with the Revelation 7, it's got some of the, the other scriptures there, the Ephesians and Revelation of being sinners, you and me, plunged beneath the flood of blood that flows from Christ's side, being washed in that and made clean. That's all a baptism image. So a sign that points to something else, um, the simple cleansing act, making us beautiful and presentable and recreated, as it were, like a baby. And the last one, and I'll read this from, from Romans, from Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 6. You can turn there if you want. This idea that if we are crucified with Christ, if we die with Christ, if, if like um, thinking about, say, Noah or, or the Red Sea, uh, 
or other instances where um, death is all around, but so also we shall rise with him. And of all things, Tom Petty, anyone? Anybody a Tom Petty fan? Um, I'm dating myself. Uh, but, you know, he died a few years ago, and now the University of Florida loves this thing, won't back down. It's a great song. Um, we sang another one, Last Dance for Mary Jane. Kind of a macabre music video. Go look at it. Don't really recommend it until the very end. Kim Basinger, of all people, is in there. She's dead. Dead as a doornail, as, uh, as Dickens would say. And he's kind of this weird... Uh, uh, what's it called? Somebody who works in a morgue. Um, a mortician. I knew there was a word there. He's a mortician. Creepy. He takes her out, dresses her up. They dance together. She is dead, 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 dead. Um, dresses her in like a wedding gown. Uh, dress sets a beautiful table in front of her. There's a lot of imagery that you can start to feel here. You know, dressed and adorned as a bride for her husband and a table that's set before his enemy's death. Uh, and then he takes her down to the water and he puts her underneath the water. She is dead, 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 dead. And then the last chord rings out, her eyes open and her mouth comes up. And it's only when she's plunged beneath the water does she have life. I think that's the whole point of the little video. It's a weird video. But just remember that. That's all I'm saying is when you plunge beneath the water, paradoxically, then you live. And here's how Paul puts it in Romans 6. Um, 6, 1 through, let's say, 14. I'm going to do this pretty quickly, and then we're going to wrap up. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died, dead, 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 to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, plunged beneath the water? Um, we were therefore we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him to a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So that power that's conferred as a sign that points to something else is a unifying power. Somehow we are connected to Christ, and if we're connected to him in his death. <gasps> Hope upon hope, we shall so also be connected to him unto life. And if he can't die again, neither can we. Um, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Double jeopardy. Remember, if you're convicted for a sin and set free, you cannot be convicted again. It has no jurisdiction over me. Satan, death, I am baptized. You have no jurisdiction here. Be gone. Be gone. We could say that as Christians. Uh, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. I hope this is a word of freedom on your ear. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life 
and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So I know we're over. Baptism, a sign of your profession and of the work that the Lord has done in your life, which points to that. The simple act of washing, as Christ washes his bride, the church, and cleanses her and makes her presentable, uh, new again, adorned as a bride for a husband. Tom Petty, weird, 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 plunged this dead woman under the water, and then and only then does she have life. And then Paul in Romans 6, do you not know the word of the gospel falling on your ear? Now hear this, now hear this. You've already died. And so now, what, what jurisdiction does death have over you? For if I say that you're alive, you cannot die again. You are free from sin, death, the devil, the world, the flesh, and its passions. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, be with us. Um, watch over us. Bless us and keep us. Um, take these words humbly offered and let your work be done. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.